This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to Bet and Breakfast, a podcast from BetSided. Hey, does anybody want coffee? Who wants coffee? It's sports betting for everyone. I'm here to tell you today that the New York Yankees season is done. Stick a fork in them, it's over. Lamar Jackson, I can't believe he's that low on the list that he's my bet for sure at this point in the season. Early leans, best bets, props, parlays. If you can bet it, we've got it. I'm taking the over on this. If you look at the last five games, this is a game waiting for points to be scored. Tom Brady, I think everyone's heard of him. If Brady puts up the numbers, they have the 10th easiest schedule the rest of the way. Get in, get out, and you're ready to go. I think they're going to have to give him the award if Dallas ends up locking up this division and possibly even that number one seed. And here are your hosts, Ben Heisler, Ian McMillan, Peter Dewey, Donovan Smoot, and Reed Wallet. What comes before anything? What have we always said is the most important thing? Breakfast family. I thought you meant of the things you eat. Hello everyone. Welcome to today's episode of uh, Bet and Breakfast Sunday episode. Uh, it is my Jordan flu game after the Kentucky Derby yesterday. Stayed up late watching uh, the UFC. Uh, as you can imagine, uh, I had a couple drinks, so a little bit of a flu game for me. I'm going to power through because we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm joined by Peter Dewey. Peter, how are you doing? Doing good, Ian. Had a, not, didn't watch as much Kentucky Derby as you yesterday. Bet on a bunch of both the NBA games. Had a lot of bets on the, the Warriors-Grizzlies game and uh, had probably my worst beat of the NBA playoffs last night because I had DeAnthony Melton under 10.5 points and he scored five points in like the final two minutes, including a layup with like six seconds to go to hit his over so not not ideal not exactly what you wanted last night but um we're here we're getting back on track today that's right we are getting back on track today full so we're not full slate two nba games i guess it's a full slate at this point in the playoffs uh four nhl games got my leafs jersey on got a chance to go up 3-1 in the series which certainly isn't over as they proved last year uh but big big day uh also it's uh we have to mention it kentucky derby winner yesterday 80 to 1 that's got to be the biggest upset in Kentucky Derby history. I don't know if that's confirmed, but I'd, I would imagine it is. Uh, and, of course, I didn't win money. Very few. I, I don't know if anyone bet on this horse. So <laughs> probably a good day for the sports books because I didn't even see, like, when I was, like, doing my research for the Kentucky Derby, I didn't even see anyone write up about this horse. Like, when he won, I was like, who is this guy? So Rich Strike, I saw this on Twitter yesterday, got added to the field Friday night because another horse like got dropped out. I don't know why the other horse got dropped out, but got added to the field like the night before and then goes on and wins the derby. Like just well, that, insane. That makes sense why I didn't see any any write up yeah. about him because he wasn't even yeah. in the race until Friday night. Exactly. So uh yeah that, that is a insane and, and it was a big comeback too. It's just an insane race. Uh but like I said I lost every single bet that I placed. But hey that's horse racing for you. That's why I don't do it very often. Uh, but we got a different kind of race today that I do want to bring up because uh, it's kind of a big story in uh, North America, uh, except they're not racing horses. They're racing the fastest cars on planet Earth. The Miami Grand Prix, um, usually these races are like first thing in the morning, like 5 a.m., 8 a.m. because they're in other parts of the world. Finally, we got some North, or at least now a North American race. They're going to add a second one. Um, obviously Montreal Grand Prix is, is every year as well, but, uh, they're going to add a Las Vegas one. That's going to be fun. But today's a Miami Grand Prix, the first ever. Are you an F1 guy at all, Pete? Have you, did you watch Drive to Survive? 
I haven't yet. I've heard really good things about it, so I I gotta watch it. Um, I'm not a big F1 guy, but uh, one one of my good friends is. So I've been uh following some stuff this week, trying to get myself ready. I might place a a wager too. Um, but I also saw Lewis Hamilton's just absolutely fire outfit today. Just wore an all pink fit walking in yes. today. So pretty sure he's got the vibes right now. I think he's like plus thirty five hundred to win. I might just might have to sprinkle just because of the fit, just for fun. So that's your pick for there. You're an un- uneducated bet. Lewis Hamilton, 35 to one <laughs> to win the Miami Grand Prix. Hasn't won yet this season. Um, no, yeah. Crazy. Hey, well, him, him and Max traded last year, but Mercedes, uh, there's some rule changes in how the uh, cars can get built. And Mercedes has not done a great job adjusting to those changes. Um, they're having an issue called bouncing. I won't get, I researched it a couple weeks ago because I wrote an article about it, but uh, until they fix that issue, it's going to be hard for Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to uh, uh, to get back uh, in the win column. But then again, there's been two weeks since the last race, so maybe they figured something out. Uh, they didn't do great in qualifying, though, but we'll see what happens today. My pick, uh, Max Verstappen of Red Bull. I, I took a risk earlier in the week because uh, what happens, if you're not familiar with Formula 1 at all, is you odds are released early in the week. Uh, and you can bet at that point. But then there's qualifying that takes place the day before the race. And depending on how you do in qualifying, that uh, affects your odds because then that's what position you are at the start of the race, especially for this race, which seems to be it's going to be a race uh, with not a lot of passing. So uh, Ferrari got first and second on the pole. So Max Verstappen did not. I bet on him at plus 100 because I thought he was going to win qualifying. He didn't. He had the third fastest lap. So I lost value. That's what they call uh, a minus EV bet. Uh, no CLV with this one. I got a, a, <laughs> at even odds, and now he's all the way up to plus 175. So I still have money on Max. I put the odds in there as plus 175. I got him at plus 100. Bad. It was a risk on my part because if he did win qualifying, he would have been like minus 150, minus 175. Yeah. So I was assuming he was going to win qualifying. He did not. Yeah, he had a bad lap yesterday. So, so basically, like, him and Hamilton like trading all of like the last season. Like it's like been it's I saw Charles Leclerc's the favorite. Has he been kind of that that new guy who's been at the at the top every every week now? Yeah. So last year you said it was Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Now it's Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc, the Ferrari guys. And Ferrari guys, um, first and second on the pole again this week. So Ferrari has historically the best car and now the past ten years it was always like Red Bull and Mercedes, but it looks like Ferrari has now kind of regained that. Uh, but we'll see as the season goes on, these, these teams make changes to their cars and, and things happen. But, uh, yeah, Charles Leclerc, I think is now the minus minus one fifty favorite, something like that after his yeah. lap yesterday. So interesting stuff. It's, I think it's at three 30 PM Eastern. Like I said, usually with F1 races, you got to wake up early to watch them. So now it's a, at least a, a decent time. So I'm excited for that. Uh, going to have that on one screen, probably hockey on a different screen. Uh, let's talk about Peter, because this is a debate debate that we have had several times and just like our group chats and things like that. So let's just hash it out. The Toronto Blue Jays, the New York Yankees. I'm obviously a Jays fan. You, uh, and Reed are both, uh, no, is Reed a Mets, Reed's a Mets fan. Reed's a Mets fan. Yeah. Um, but Mets are doing well, uh, as well. But Yankees, Blue Jays, who is the better bet to win the world series? Uh, I'll start with you because I've already yapped too much this show. Tell me why the Yankees are the better bet than the Blue Jays. Yankees at 10 to 1 right now at win bet. Give me your case because whatever whatever you're going to say, it's going to be wrong. 
Yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm taking the Yankees ten to one here. I actually bet both of these teams before the season to win the World oh. Series. I bet the Jays because prior to the season, I was not high on the Yankees. I really thought the Jays were the best team in the American League. Um, I actually bet them to win the American League. I'm sorry, I did not bet the Jays to win the World Series. I bet the Yankees to win the World Series because I do it every year, just because like if they do, might right. as well. Have I bet do them. the same. So, thing. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I got the Yankees at nine to one, I believe, at the beginning of the year. So that number's dropped, which kind of makes no sense to me because they've been the best team in baseball the first month of the season. Um, the thing with the Yankees this year that I think is different than years past and especially different than last year, like DJ LeMahieu being healthy this year and obviously having Anthony Rizzo for the whole season and the addition of Isaiah Connor flavor, they have more guys who just get base hits. Like it sounds crazy. Like it sounds like a simple, but the Yankees were so home run reliant the last couple of years. Like, it's nice to have a few guys in the lineup. Like, they've been able to keep games going where they're, they're just getting hits. And, like, Rizzo had a great first month. He's obviously going to regress. But, like, LeMayu hit, like, 260 last year. He's looking more like the guy who who almost won the batting title, like, two straight years in 2019 and 2020. Looks a lot more like that guy this year. Connor Falif is, like, a career 280, 290 hitter. So you have guys that are putting the, the bat on the ball and just making the offense go. And then, obviously, you have Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton getting off to hot starts. But – Yankees offense has been good this year. Their pitching is the best in baseball other than the Los Angeles Dodgers. And their bullpen is by far the best in baseball, the best bullpen ERA. Um, the Yankees have lucked out because this year they've had the expanded rosters. So they have more guys in the bullpen. It's kept some of the arms fresh. Michael King has been really good for them out of the bullpen. He had to start last year. And fingers crossed, if they don't get hit with the injury bug, I like this rotation right now with Severino, Cole, tie on like they're pitching well so the fact that the Yankees are number one in OPS number two in team ERA number one in bullpen ERA like it's not going to stay the same the entire season there's going to be ups and downs but I just think the fact that they're 10 to 1 right now and have the best record in baseball you're actually getting a decent value compared to what a normally very public team um would be at is Nestor Cortez Jr. a Cy Young candidate I will not go that far. I know Reed has said that. I will <laughs> yeah. not go that far. That is that is a little too much for me. I love Nestor Cortez, but if Nestor Cortez won the Cy Young, man, I, they'd be dancing in the in the in the Bronx. I don't I don't know how it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Somebody else. I mean, shoot, your guy Alec Manoa is having a better year than him probably right now. So I don't know. Let's go, Alec Manoa. I, I believe he's pitching today uh, for the Jays against uh, yeah. the Guardians. So. Build on that Cy Young uh, resume. I got a bet on him. I think it's 15 to 1 for him to win the Cy Young. Uh, Shane McClanahan's my other Cy Young bet, not to get too off track. But he's also year. having a good year uh, in yeah. the AL. Um, uh, listen, you're, you, to be honest, your take's a little bit more reasonable than, than Reed, who it, yeah, he is a Mets fan, but for some reason he's loving the, the Yankees this year <laughs> as well. Um, it's strength of schedule, though, man. We see this every single time, uh, every single MLB season, especially with the Yankees. They go on a little hot streak. They beat up a bunch of garbage teams. The uh, Yankee fans start declaring them World Series champions. Uh, and then, like, a month later, Aaron Judge starts striking out every single at-bat. They can't get any runs. Their pitching falls apart. And then everyone calls for everyone to get fired and to start a rebuild. We've seen it time and time again. I don't know when baseball fans are going to start to learn about this because it happens every single... I remember there was a time last year where the Yankees literally were World Series betting favorites, and that did not go well after that. They stumbled at the end of the year, barely got it in the playoffs, uh, and then had an early exit. So 
I don't believe in the Yankees whatsoever. I looked at the uh, strength of schedule. I got it right here. They have the so far this season they've had the fifth easiest schedule in Major League Baseball. The Brewers have had the easiest in Cardinals, Rockies, Rays, Yankees. Jays, on the other hand, fourth hardest schedule. Only the Reds, Orioles, and Diamondbacks have had a harder schedule so far this season than the Toronto Blue Jays. So there's a reason why odds makers, despite the Yankees having a better record, there's a reason why the odds makers have the Jays up at plus six hundred. The Yankees are still at ten to one. So. Uh, I will say though, I'll be, I'll be a little fair. I am concerned about the Jays bullpen. That was my concern heading into the season. Uh, they've, they've already blown a couple games for them. Uh, I think Alec Manoa's last start, he only had one run and then relievers came in and like allowed like six or seven runs in a single inning. So our offense is going to have to stay hot because if our offense doesn't get hot, then our bullpen is going to blow some games for us. So that's what happened last year as well. It's my biggest concern this year, but I think, I, like I said, I think they're six to one for a reason. They've had a tough schedule. They got some easy games coming up. I'm all about the Jays. I can't wait for them to make the playoffs and for the Yankees too. I don't know what are the what, probably losing the wild card round. I, I, I think for the Yankees. I agree with your argument of the strength of schedule, but like the Yankees don't make their schedule. Like they have beaten everybody they're supposed to beat this year, which I think is a, a good thing. Like I mean. You look at last year, they were like 500 against the Orioles. I believe they were 11 and 8 or That's something true. like that against the Orioles. That's true. They were they were under 500 against the Angels, who finished as one of the worst teams in the American League. They were under 500 against the Tigers, I believe. It was either the Tigers or the Royals. Like, they didn't win games they were supposed to win last year. That's why the second half of the season, like, it felt like they had to win every single game because they were just hovering around 500 because they couldn't beat the bad teams. So, obviously, yeah, you're right. They're going to have a tougher part of their schedule. We'll see how they fare. But the fact that they're beating up on the bad teams, like we say, it's a cliche, but like, that's what good teams do. They win all the games against the teams they're supposed to beat. And the other thing I have with the Yankees, I think, this year to last year, like, the pitching this year to last year, is not some crazy jump. They were sixth in team ERA last year. They did not have Luis Severino, who is arguably their second best starter. Um, and they lost Jamison Tyon for a big ch- chunk of the season. Garrett Cole missed a month of the season. Corey Kluber, who was supposed to be their number two last year, didn't play um, for a good chunk of the season because he had a shoulder injury. So if like if they're healthy enough, th- this pitching staff is a quality pitching staff where they're, they're going to be in games because of that. And the difference this year is last year, they were 13th in OPS this year. They're first. So obviously there's going to be some regression there, but like if you can find a way to, you know, if you put up a top 10 offense and this pitching staff is similar to what it was last year, you win five, six, seven more games. And now you go from, I mean, they didn't miss winning the division by that much last year. I know they finished with the second wild card spot, but like them, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays and the Rays were all within like, eight games of each other by the end of the season. So like, I, I think there's some, there's some room for some positive regression in that, that aspect. And also the division might be worse this year. If Boston really isn't going to turn things around, it might be a three team race. So that is the other thing I'm interested for your thoughts on that too. If as a Jays fan, like how you feel about that, because we know the Orioles are going to stink. The Rays are going to be the Rays. It seems like they compete every year, but Boston has looked really bad. So I don't think they end up being really bad 10 the year, but, could make things a little bit easier in the in the division down the stretch of the season. How many did they expand playoffs this year? I should know this, but did, did they expand the playoffs? Do you know? I believe it's seven teams now. But give me let me let me look. That if up. it's seven teams, I still think the Red Sox get in there. Then I think it's three teams. Three teams going to come out of the AL East. If that's the case. it's it is it is seven teams. Because I remember thought, saying before yeah. the season, I thought those four teams in the AL East could make it, and then it would be division winners. I think oh, yeah, it's either yeah. seven or six. Damn, that's gonna be 
I guess if it, if it was four teams last year, like if it was seven teams last year, I think it would have been four from the AL East, right? Yeah, yeah, dude. They were it was like all the top. Okay, so it's six. It's six from each side. So you have the three division winners and then three wild cards. Right. Yes. Right. So I mean, it's still possible. Last year, wasn't it? Didn't it finish with like it was Red Sox, Yankees, and then Mariners and Jays were like the next two, and then the Rays won the division. So yes. like it would have almost been all four of them in. I mean, you, you look at the the issue is also if you look at the rest of the AL. I mean, it could be another AL West team gets in. Uh, Angels are having a good year so far if they can keep it up. Uh, White Sox have been disappointing this year. Yeah, Twins they've been, been surprising. Bad. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's it's going to be fun. It's going to be a close race all the way through. I'm just noticing now the Rays pass the Jays in the standings. How dare they? Uh, once again, tough schedule so far for the Jays. Uh, they actually play two games set this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, with the Yankees. Uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big series. That's where if some if one of those two teams can win two games there, that that's gonna be massive. Yeah, uh, that might prove to be huge come the end of the year. Yeah, it's interesting too. I noticed that the Jays have played a ton of division games to start the season. I don't know how you feel about that because I know the Yankees to end last year they played a ton of division games and I hated it because I was like we're playing all these teams and like we have to win these games because it's like. It's almost like you lose two games, it feels like, because you lose the game. Obviously, they're gaining a game on you. At least when you're not playing them, you can, like, keep it even. So, um, yeah, I, that's – start the season. It's not bad where they are. They're, what, 17 and 12? Like, I don't think the Jays are a bad bet at all. Like I said, I bet on them to win the AL. Like, I don't think they're a bad bet at all. I just think there's a little value on the Yankees here at this point in the season. Uh, how long until you get a Russell Wilson poster in the background there? Oh, it's a good question. This is my I'm in my my childhood Cromwell home for Mother's Day. So might I have noticed to the Broncos quarterback. Me. I looked closely. I was like, is that already a Russell Wilson poster up there? But is, is that Peyton? Yeah, it's Peyton. Yeah, a little Peyton action. Now, Russ, <laughs> Russ is going to have to they're going to have to make the playoffs this year. I like Russell Wilson, but the Broncos got to make the playoffs this year. If Russ can't get them to the playoffs, they're they're doomed. They got to blow it up. Yeah, We'll see tough division but uh let's move on to uh the nba here i'm gonna lean on you for this because i've said this every show i feel like through with the nba playoffs i'm not an nba guy gonna lean on you for this uh i believe two game fours let's start with the suns mavericks suns are up 2-1 i believe uh give me a little breakdown of today's game uh i'm gonna bring up the line here in a second i'm assuming the suns are favored uh two and a half point favorites the suns are total at 215 uh yeah what what's what's the what's the breakdown for this game yeah, so I mean, the Mavs won game game four, game three, and they played great. Um, forced a ton of turnovers. Phoenix turned the ball over seventeen times. That's just not something they do. Chris Paul had a ton of turnovers. Probably played his worst game of the playoffs in game three. So if you're a Suns fan and a Suns better, like, kind of just got to throw that one out. It was like an anomaly kind of game for the Suns. Devin Booker only ended up taking thirteen shots because they turned the ball over so much. So. I'm, I'm kind of not reading too much into that Suns loss. It felt like Dallas had to get one. Um, Luka Doncic has been absolutely fantastic in this series. So it was about time he was going to have a big game and they were going to win. The difference was for the Mavs is Jalen Brunson, who played so great against Utah in the first round, finally had a really good game in game three. So there's, there's some value, I think, here on Phoenix at minus two just because like you watch the first two games. And when the Suns weren't turning the ball over, they were getting whatever they wanted on offense. And the difference was in the last game is the Mavs kind of tried to take away like the DeAndre in pick and roll. And they were like, okay, you guys are just gonna have to make jump shots. Suns turned the ball over a ton. And you look at the Suns two playoff losses. Um, 
with like their two playoff losses on the road this year, the game three against New Orleans or game four against New Orleans and then game three against Dallas, turn the ball over like 14 times against New Orleans and 17 times against the Mavs. So like that's the Achilles heel for this team is like they're a well-oiled machine on offense. But if you turn the ball over that many times, they don't have, and I said this when Devin Booker got hurt, they don't have like this explosive, explosive offense. It's just normally so well executed. But like if Devin Booker isn't going, which he actually kind of was in the last game, he just didn't get the shots. They don't really have anybody you're a wean on where you're like, he's going to get us 20 points too. So you can't, you have to maximize your possessions. And the thing I've talked about with Dallas in the series, they play at the slowest pace in the NBA. So when you're turning the ball over and you're not even getting shots, you're not even getting a chance at a second chance, which has been huge for the Suns because the Mavs have no inside presence on the glass. Like when you're just giving them the ball, now Dallas, they're scoring, they're getting points off turnovers. They're just going to slow the ball down like crazy once they get a lead because they're going to say, we're going to dare you to stop Luka, which nobody has been able to do in these playoffs. And we're just going to kind of grind it out down the stretch. We're not going to give you a chance to run up and down on us and come back in this game. So I think there's value on the Suns today. I actually bet the Suns team total over in this game. It was at 108 and a half. Um, They've cleared this total in every single game, except those two losses I mentioned game four against the Pelicans and the last game, game three, where they turned the ball over a ton. Um, I think they 109, I feel like is a, a solid number. Dallas still has a solid defense, but you're, you're not asking Phoenix to have some crazy offensive game. And I just feel like they're due for so much positive regression on offense. Cause it was just, I mean, they didn't even shoot that badly. It was just Chris Paul had six turnovers in the first half. Like I couldn't tell you the last time Chris Paul had six turnovers in a game, never mind the first half. So um, I think there's, there's some value on Phoenix today. I think you can't overreact to that Mavs win because you take this whole series in perspective and games one and two, it was all Phoenix. So not reading too much into game three. Suns team total over. I like it. Let's talk about the next uh, series here. The other game for Heat 76ers. Uh, I put in heats as if there was more than one uh, in the caption there. Whoops. Uh, I used to consider myself a Heat fan back in the day. Uh, when people would ask me what team I cheered for, I say the Heat, but I've kind of given up on that because, listen, I don't think I could even name who their five starters are. But I loved Dwayne Wade back when he led them to a championship. When was that? 2004? Six? Somewhere in that 2006, range? 2006. 2006. Yep. Yep. Big Heat fan back then. Uh, like I said, I no longer claim the Heat. I, that, that would be uh, disrespectful to the franchise, but they are up 2-1 on the 76ers. I think they were up 2-0, and then uh, the 76ers won game three, I believe, in Philadelphia. So game four again in Philadelphia. Give me give me a breakdown for this. I know you have a best bet in this game as well. We're going to get to that after, but just talking about mm-hmm. side and total here. Uh, heat are two-point underdogs in Philadelphia, total at 207.5. Yeah, this is an interesting one because obviously Joel Embiid didn't play in the first two games of the series in Miami, and the Heat rolled. They won easily. They got to the rim at will. Bam Adebayo had two big games for them. Jimmy Butler was able to get to the rim at will. Victor Oladipo was able to get to the rim at will. And then you bring Joel Embiid back in game three, and he was clearly not 100%. I believe he finished with 18 and 11, still very solid. But the presence of him down low, Miami only scored 79 points in that game and they couldn't get anything going to the basket and bead clogs up the lane. And when you look at what the difference is between the Sixers, when Embiid plays versus when he doesn't play, when he's not on the floor, they were playing Deandre Ayton or sorry, not Deandre, Ayton, Deandre Jordan at center for some minutes. And then Paul Reed at center for some minutes. And to put this in perspective real quickly, Deandre Jordan is just a shell of himself at this point. His net rating in this series is like minus 20. 
So basically <laughs> Miami was like, we will just go at him every single time he's on the floor because he's just not the same player anymore. He wasn't giving them any rim protection. He gives you nothing compared to Embiid on offense. All he's doing is catching lobs, maybe get an offensive rebound. And so when Doc Rivers went away from DeAndre Jordan, which is the smart thing to do, they went small with Paul Reed. The issue there with Paul Reed, who's about 6'8", 6'9", on a good day, is now Bam Adebayo has the size advantage inside, something he doesn't have against Joel Embiid. He was just dominating on the glass. They were getting layups. They were just getting to the rim. There was no rim protection. So you bring Joel Embiid back into the fold, and you watch the first quarter of that Miami game. They couldn't get inside to get to the rim, and they were forcing bad jump shots at the end of shot clocks. It's why they struggled in that game. This game ended up being tied at 57, and the Sixers just dominated the rest of the way. The Heat just kind of fell apart. James Harden picked up his fourth foul, ironically, for the Sixers, and Miami just never was able to pull any kind of lead, and the Sixers kind of rolled the rest of the way. So I actually think Philly has a chance to even the series tonight. Obviously, it's going to depend on Embiid's health. Like He took a couple shots in Game 3. You don't know. He has an orbital fracture in his face. Like If he catches a stray elbow, like, could be done so you're obviously taking some risk in that but if he's on the floor these teams are very even because you take away Miami's best part of their offense which is Jimmy Butler get downhill Bam Adebayo get downhill get to the rim um you're going to be forced to take a lot of jump shots and I'll talk about why that matters in my best bet so I don't I don't mind taking the Sixers to win this game um I haven't bet it yet I'm I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I want to go with if I want to just stick to props in this game but the way game three played out, it's hard to take, unlike the Suns-Mavs series where everybody was healthy, it's hard to take game one and two and put a ton of stock into it because it's not like, oh, they added you know their fifth starter back into the rotation. Like They added the, the second leading uh, player for MVP right now. Could win the MVP very well back into the lineup. So the fact that Miami got the 2-0 lead, great. But then they brought the MVP back and they lost by 20. So I think there's going to be some kind of like middling of those two two sides. But at the same time, if the Embiid is that big of an effect on the defense, I just don't see a way where Miami just comes away with some kind of easy win. So the Sixers being at home, I would they would be the side I would lean to in this game um, with Embiid healthy. Uh, how do you think Embiid looks with a mask on? He, I mean. It's better. So he had to wear this a few years ago. He had to do a similar thing with a mask and he had to wear goggles on it and the goggles would fog up on him. And he was getting so frustrated by it. Like you get to the free throw line, you'd see him blowing on the goggles to get the, the like the, um, the fog out of him. He honestly, like he looked fine, hit a couple jump shots, got to the rim. I was shocked at how aggressive he was inside going to the rim because just like I mean, just natural, like human nature, like you don't want to get hit back in the face again. But he was like going into people. He was getting to the rim. He was contesting shots and honestly thought he played better defensively in game three than he did towards the end of the Raptor series when he was dealing, which he still is, I'm assuming, the torn ligament in his thumb, where he was kind of like, it seemed like there were times the Raptors were getting to the rim and he was kind of shying away, like I'm not going to get my hand in there and risk anything else. He was much more involved in this game. And with the way these two teams play, they both play at a really slow pace, 26th and 28th in the NBA. And like Miami's very methodical in the, the front court, in the in the half court. So like if that's how they're going to play, you're not asking Embiid to really defend a ton of guys who are coming downhill like on a fast break where it's like they're if they're getting into the half court, like it's like, okay, we're coming off a screen, we're getting to the rim where maybe he's a little bit more comfortable stepping in front. So I thought he looked good. Like I w- did not have high expectations for him. 
I was hoping he would play like 25 minutes, maybe just be able to give them a little enough on offense to pull out the win. And I mean, he looked like his normal self for, for all things considered. So does, but does he look more intimidating with the mask on? I, I would say no, to be honest with you. I don't, the mask, really? I don't, I don't like the way that I don't know if I, I, I love, love the, mask. the way the mask looks. I think I, think I would th- wear a mask even with, when I was not hurt. I feel like it adds <laughs> to an intimidation factor. You look like, you look like a Batman villain or something. He does that. I will, I will say that is true. He does look like I forgot who I think it was Russell Westbrook. I felt like Russell Westbrook had the most intimidating mask because he had the one that like he wrapped it around his head and it just, he would wear a headband and it just looked like his face was like the Phantom of the Opera, like math. It was so funny. <laughs> so that was it. that, that might've been my favorite one, but. And beat also takes it off like every five seconds. It feels like I was like, every time you look up, he's got the mask on the top of his head. And he's pulling it back down. I'm like, I mean, he has to wear it, but it's like, how much, how much is this really helping at this point? It's like hockey players. So I guess you see it in football. Well, I guess you see it in every sport. Now that I think about it, uh, mouth guards, like just, they don't, don't keep them in their mouth. Like Austin yeah, Matthews yeah. is always just chewing on it. Like he'll be in the middle of a play and he'll have his mouth guard hanging out of his mouth. I guess like Steph Curry, I think does that a lot. Yeah, he does that too. Yeah. Yep. Uh, since we're just kind of on this game, let's just stay on topic here. Uh, give me your best bet. Yeah. So I'm taking a Tyler hero over 15 and a half points, actually kind of low juice here. Minus one Oh five hero. You look at his last few games, um, had 14 points in game three, obviously, but he was five for 15, took 15 shots, had 18 in game two was six of 10 had 25 in game one was nine of 17 had 16 in the clinching game against the Hawks was six of 12. Had a bad game in game four against Atlanta. He was he was one of eight. But then the two games before that, he had 15 on five and 11 and 24 on 10 of 22. The volume is there for him. And what I talked about with Embiid clogging up the paint, like they need to take more jump shots, the Heat do. And that's why they kind of relied on Hero. That's why he took 15 shots in game three. You look at Miami's roster with them not playing Duncan Robinson right now, basically for defensive purposes because he can't guard anyone. Like they have Max Struess. They have Tyler Hero. They have Kyle Lowry, who's kind of playing injured with a hamstring injury, and Victor Oladipo, who you can like really rely on to make jump shots. Like I love Jimmy Butler. I think he's you know one of the more underrated stars we have in the game. He's not a good jump shooter, and he did not shoot well from the field in terms of jump shots in the last game. So I think this is a game where you see a little bit more action for Tyler Hero, whether it's coming off the screens, whether it's they want him in pick and roll and let him get to his spots. Um, he averaged 20 a game during the regular season. And the playoffs have kind of fluctuated in terms of his usage, but the last four games it's been really high. So I think if he sees, you know, double digit shots where he sees between that twelve to seventeen range of shots, he's getting fifteen points. He might get to the line a few times, but I just think the the volume being there and the type of offense they're gonna have to run, um, it's just gonna line up well for a Tyler Hero game. I think he's he's gotta be one of the driving forces. I've been saying it all playoffs for them. They need him to kind of be that guy off the bench that carries them because if Butler doesn't have it going, Miami similar to Phoenix, like you don't bam out of bio average 19 a game during the regular season. He's put up a bunch of clunkers in these playoffs. Like he's not a guy you're just going out there and saying Bam's getting us 20. So Tyler hero is that number two guy on Miami. They need him to have a good game if they want to get a three, one lead. So I think he has a big game tonight. Tyler Hero over 15 and a half points, minus 105, a little player prop action for the Heat and 76ers today. Uh, I'm going over to the sport that we haven't talked about yet today, uh, and that is the NHL. And I'm going to take the Minnesota Wild, very slight favorite over the St. Louis Blues today. I bet on the Minnesota Wild in all three games so far the series. I'm going to make it four in a row. Uh, they're up 2-1 in the series. It's in St. Louis. Obviously, they can take a commanding lead today. 
But I mean, I, I feel like I'm the only one who kind of sees through this Blues team because a lot of people like them. But I, it's the same thing I was saying uh, heading into the playoffs. The Blues are good at they're the best shooting team in the NHL. But like between the blue lines and a lot of advanced analytics, they really aren't that good of a team. They just make up for it by shooting so well. The issue in this series is now they're playing against the best defensive team in the NHL in the wild. So they're just not getting a lot of high danger scoring chances. Uh, they're only averaging 9.67 high danger scoring chances per game so far in the series. Uh, and that's the second fewest amongst all teams in the playoffs so far. So uh, you can be as good of a shooting team as you want. If you don't at least get like quality shots, uh, you're going to struggle to, to, to keep up with your opponent. Uh, and it, you know, it doesn't help the blues that Mark Andre Fleury is playing fantastic hockey in between the pipes for the wild uh, save percentage of nine twenty six so far this season, but also to be fair, a big part of why, his save percentage is so high is because the Blues just aren't getting those high-danger scoring opportunities. So I, I think the Wild, from offense, defense, goaltending, are the better team than the Blues. Uh, the Blues are a slightly better shooting team, but the Wild can limit those chances. So I, if they're going to keep setting these odds at like only like, like basically a pick of a minus 115, there's nothing I've seen in the first three games of the series uh, that makes me you know want to change my opinion and lean the, towards the Blues. Even in Game 1 when the Blues won, uh, all the advanced analytics went the Wild's way. The Wild had higher expected goals per 60 minutes. Uh, they had more shots on goal. So uh, that game, the puck just kind of bounced the Blues' way, and they got some good goaltending in that first game. But I see no reason to sway away from the Wild. I think they win the series. I think they beat the Avalanche uh, in the next series as well. So Minnesota Wild, minus 115, a little NHL action today. Um, any thoughts on NHL? Yeah, hey, I I don't mind it. So you got the Wild going up 3-1. I know you've been all over the Avalanche are going to lose to whoever came out of this series. So I like I like you sticking to it. And it, it makes sense. Defensive teams, like you see it in kind of all playoffs. It feels like you have a really strong defensive team. You're always going to be in a game just, just naturally because you're not yep. giving up easy chances. But speaking of teams, chances to go 3-1, your Toronto Maple Leafs got a chance to go 3-1 today. How do we feel? Do we think is is three one or two? First off, do you want three one or two two? And second, how do you feel about today's game? Obviously, I want three one. It'd be stupid to say I want two two. I know they <laughs> blew the three one lead last year, but uh, I, 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 if they do go up three one, I will be placing a series bet on the Lightning as soon as those odds are released, <laughs> just like I did on the Canadians last year, because it's the same thing all the time. But I, I, I don't know how I feel, man. It's the Leafs are playing well, but they're also just taking some undisciplined penalties. Like there's been so many penalties in this series. Like we've, it feels like we've hardly seen any five on five action. Uh, and the Lightning have one of the best power plays, uh, if not the best power play in the NHL. Uh, probably actually next to the Leafs. The Leafs also had a very good power play this year. So it, it's tough. It's a tough series. These are two evenly matched teams. Um, my biggest thing was that the Leafs could win one of the two games in Tampa. So even if it's tied 2-2, they have home ice advantage in a best of the three series. So we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm I, I'm nervous. To be honest, I haven't placed my bet yet for this game. Uh, Maple Leafs are slight underdogs, even money, Lightning, or minus 120. I've just been kind of emo hedging and just taking uh, the Lightning in every game. I think I might go back to the bet I had in the first game, which was the over. Um, okay. I don't know, though. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I... I honestly don't know. I don't know. I, I This series, anything could happen in this series, I wouldn't be surprised. And I feel like my, my Leafs bias is starting to affect my thought process. So I think I might just bet the over and root for goals. But I'm nervous. I'm a, I'm a nervous wreck on Leaf game day. 
I, I just want to. I want one series win. Give me one series. Yeah. And I'll, I'll like it'll if they lose next series, I'll be disappointed. But just like we need to break this curse, we can't keep yeah. losing in the first round. So, go Leafs, go! Big game tonight. Big game tonight. Got got one more NHL for, question for you because I watched a little bit of my Rangers last night. Yeah. And ooh, baby, that was a rough first period. But then they tied at four, and then they blow the game. They lose seven. They should have put Sturkin back in net. Yeah, what 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 are we thinking here? Like, are they are they getting too cute with this? Like, what what are we doing here? Why are they why are they going away from the guy who's the the best goalie in in the NHL? I didn't wa- I didn't sit down and watch the game yesterday. It was kind of on in the background because I was at a Kentucky Derby party. But um, I don't. Uh, once again, I I wasn't watching, so I don't know exactly what happened. But I, I'm confused why they pulled Shesterkin unless they just gave up and then just wanted to rest him for the next game. But I think I said this after game one. I think the game one going to triple overtime and then losing was the worst possible situation because I think Shesterkin's tired. Like that was three, he faced 83 shots in that game. Yeah. Uh, and now you've got to play a best of seven series against a team that's as experienced and as gritty as the as the Penguins are. It's tough. And if you don't have Shesterkin standing on your head, the Rangers are a fine team. But like the advanced analytics, their record is what it is because of Igor Shesterkin. So if he's not playing well, they they they, they just can't win a series. So gonna be tough what are they, are they down 2-1 now i think yeah yeah so they're would, down 2-1 three. from from what i saw like i watched the first period i turned it off when they went down 4-1 and it was just like all three of the goals after it was 1-1 were just like the penguins had like a, a free run like three guys in front of the net and it was like i don't even know how he would stop this like even if he was playing well like there was one right i forgot who it was guy shot it off the boards and it came right back to him and the Rangers defenseman just like all moved away from the net basically to go for the puck and the puck just ended up right back with the Penguins guy right in front of the net and it was just a one-on-one I'm like they're gonna make that nine times out of ten like it's, it's like a freebie yeah. so um yeah it was not good but the fact that they tied it and then they they went to blow it was just like I'm happy I turned it off and didn't go back to it like I watched the Warriors game instead and I was like, if I watched them tie it and then blow the game, I would have been so pissed. I'm like, are oh, you got to be kidding me? So they're they're in trouble. I feel like they got it. They have to win game four. Otherwise, I don't I don't see them winning three in a row. Yeah, I mean, maybe even though they ended up losing the game, maybe uh, taking Shesterkin out early is going to rest them up a little bit here, and it'll be a little bit more fresh for game four. So uh, that could certainly be a positive. But uh, I mean, that that series was literally set at a coin flip, and rightfully so because mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? Uh, just looking at other games today, by the way, I'll quick. I'm just going to list off my other NHL picks because I'm betting on every NHL game. Taking the Hurricanes again, plus 112 uh, in the game that starts in an hour. Uh, already gave out Wild minus 115. Think I'm going to go with the over in Maple Leafs Lightning. Haven't locked that in yet. Uh, and the Kings, I'm going uh, back on the Kings against the Oilers plus 140. I just think they're still being undervalued. So. That's uh, those are my NHL picks. I, I'll tweet them all out because I still need to make a final decision about Maple Leafs and uh, and Lightning. Anything else, uh, Pete? Before we wrap this up, um, well, I was just gonna say, if you're watching, make sure to stay tuned. Ian and I are gonna have our best bets. His for NHL, mine for NBA later today. Um, still putting those together. I know I gave up the Suns and the Hero pick, but I think I might do one more in each game. So stay posted with us at fansided.com/slash/betsided for those for sure. Yep, and we will be back tomorrow. Me and you got a little doubleheader tomorrow for the Daily Bet Slip, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, We're breaking down, of course, some NHL and NBA uh, tomorrow as well. So check that out, 5 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. 
uh, for myself and Peter. Thank you, everyone, for watching. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff on YouTube. Uh, and, yeah, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Good luck with your picks tonight. Yes, sir. Go, Leafs, go. Go, Leafs, go. Go, Leafs, go. Go, Leafs, go. See you later. Thank you.